Hi, and welcome to today's podcast. It's 211 on Monday, April 11th. Welcome to Podcastville. We have a lot of guests this week, and it's been way too long since Alex and I could connect. Not too, too long since Bethany and I, but a lot of really good guests lined up this week. No podcast episode on Thursday because I'll be part of a career day. I think I've told you this. I'm doing career day at Perrysburg High School where about 8% of the 100% I'll actually talk about radio. Everything else is going to be just being an adult and maturing into being an adult and stopping being a snotty 22-year-old who knew everything into a more refined 42-year-old who does know everything. Hi, my name's Eric. Hey, before we get to today's guest and Mary Bill you. Food editor and so much more from The Blade is on shortly. Uh, I'll warn you, if you're very hungry, this is not your episode. So don't come to this episode with an empty stomach. Some things to get to first. Actually, just one. Um, I watched a movie on Friday night called All the Old Knives. And it was the kind of movie where I saw the cast and I was like, I'm going to give this a full chance. If it sucks, it sucks. But the cast alone said, do it. Chris Pine, uh, Fanny Newton, I don't know if I pronounced her first name correctly, because within the last couple of years, she has gone back to the proper spelling of her name, which is T-H-A-N-D-I-W-E, Fandiwi. So she's a wonderful actress, often not dressed, uh, and that has nothing to do with her acting capability. She's wonderful, loved her in Westworld. Chris Pine... Uh, Miss Newton, Lawrence Fishburne, and Jonathan Price. Who's Jonathan Price? He was, uh, who was the religious dude, like the zealot that struck down, I have lost all my Game of Thrones references. He was like the high something or other that caused, caused all kinds of havoc in like season five. The high sparrow, that's it. Jonathan Price. So great cast. And it was... Very methodical, but not slow. It's a spy thriller, uh, but it, and it's not linear. It's told in flashbacks as the Chris Pine character and uh, Fanny Newton character uh, discuss it and do the flashbacks over dinner, actually over brunch, lunch, dinner, and then after dinner happenings. It was a wonderful movie. And uh, I can go back to Tinker Taylor, Soldier Spy, also with a brilliant cast in like 2011. A great spy movie is still... Tops on my list. Uh, not long ago, uh, The Courier with Benedict Cumberbatch. A- any like thing around like historical events will often get my attention. Some World War movies recently on Prime have not. But a good cast, spy, war, yeah, I'm in. And with this, um, I, never, I think ever since Lost came out and J.J. Abrams hit the, pin- the pinnacle of his career, in my opinion, ever since then... Producers, creators have tried to continue to one-up everyone else for more complex plots and mysteries and mystery box type presentations. And the plot twist has a plot twist. And a reminder, the plot twist is not a plot twist. It's just the plot. And sometimes they get so convoluted. Like, I'm not going to nerd out too much here. This season of Picard, I'm like, there are some things that that have come together, but there are other things that seemed important and maybe they'll come together, but there's just too many layers. Like, try to get too creative for their own good. 
Uh, but not this movie. Uh, you look back and go, yeah, I can see that. I can see that. It's two big things that tie everything together. It's like, oh. And I'll tell you this. So the, the, the Chris Pine character and the Thandie Newton character were former lovers. This whole movie, as it progresses, is absolutely emotionally wrenching for them. I hope you enjoy it. I know you will enjoy the next however much is left in today's podcast. My friend, Mary Bill you from The Blade. I got one, two, three, four, five, six items on my list. Yeah, we're probably not going to get to that. <laughs> okay. Sorry about that. Better I to have the list than to sit there and just say, um... Abs- uh, absolutely. Although I, nobody would ah uh, and um and hem and haw maybe better than you and I together. We could even add a little Yiddish mixed in. There we go. Be sure there's wine. Four glasses of wine. I would love that. Um, all right. So I open up. Uh, I don't. I didn't open up the newspaper yesterday, though I do get a Sunday paper. I open up my bl- my Blade News Slide app yesterday, and I get to the Mary Bill You section, which on on Sunday is is quite a large portion of this of this enterprise. And uh, I had an extra story yesterday too. I had a health and, and well being story in addition to all the food stories. And that is exactly what I want to talk about. Um, okay. Some book you came across. You need to hear this. 365 days of silly, honest advice you need right now. And I think when I went through this, um, it's stuff that we all know, but we need to be we need to do more of, myself included. I think, and and I'm I'm sure this is what drew you to it. This book directly, even though it sounds very cliche and hoity, like just very basic. Uh, this very deeply connects to mental health. Oh, absolutely, because some of it just seems silly, you know, Um, you know, like eat dessert first or like here. So I I went and picked up the book, uh, Forgive Yourself, or You Can't Be Everything for Everyone. And they do. They seem like memes or bumper stickers or something. But you're right. They're 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 very acutely about taking care of your yourself, your health, your physical health, your mental health, all of that. So I thought it was a really great book. Um, what what personally, and those are some of the examples, are there any that you marked away that you specifically want to practice more of? Um, rest, well, I'm opening right here, and I would say that this is a good one. Rest is not a waste of time. Uh, Craig can tell you that I'm, I'm someone who is always thinking, looking, typing, searching, researching, um, baking, cooking, doing, doing something. And I always feel like if I haven't filed a story on a given day, that I haven't accomplished something. Or if I'm just sitting, you know, watching reruns on a Saturday afternoon because there's no football or baseball, um, like I'm just wasting my time, and I I need I need to remember that rest is important physically and mentally. Yeah, uh, I I love this article so much because it reminded me. Although in some cases, um, it also appealed to like the core of my being, because mm-hmm. as much as like I I demand in, in many ways too much of myself and others to be profound and provocative and deeply intellectual, and some of those things can be woven into this. Um, I'm very much also a person. Well, why can't we do that? And if 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 we had a dinner party or like if we went out to uh, to a restaurant, and I was like, listen, everybody, it's been a hell of a week. We're ordering dessert first. 
Some, yeah. some people might look sideways, and then I would go, are we going to get arrested if we do that? Will the restaurant refuse to serve us? So it's They're the wrong people if they say that to you. If I got arrested for ordering dessert first, that would actually make for a hell of a radio bit. But Wouldn't that be fun? But, yeah, we're, we're too... It's a very challenging world, and with all the like mental health stuff and self-care and all that stuff that, that we really do need to embrace to, to make ourselves better human beings, we overlook some of the really simple, silly things that we need to do more of. Yes. Yes, indeed. Or like I just flipped to this, this page right here. You have to take care of yourself first. Absolutely. Well... It's like with the with the airplane, you know, you if 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 you're turning blue, you can't help anybody else around you with their oxygen mask. Yep. Absolutely. You can't, you know, or when people, you know, are in a situation where there's been a health crisis in the family and they have to take care of themselves because if they try to do too much and they say, "Oh, well, I have to be there for the person who's who's sick or who had surgery or who's injured or whatever." You deplete yourself, and you're of no good to anybody, including yourself. Yep. Can I tell you when I first learned that? Hmm. Do you remember Baywatch in the 90s? Yeah. Of course you do. You were probably a big big fan of David Hasselhoff, maybe? <laughs> we all were. No. No, there was a... There was I don't a, think I've ever watched the show. Oh, you've missed out on a call. But I do know the show. Oh, it was like, I get to see beautiful women. This is like the closest I'll get to like like Cinemax porn because we couldn't afford that. <laughs> but but in all seriousness, like I learned yeah. it. I learned it there. There was like, they were teaching like within the show some lifeguarding class and they were talking about these two people, like one lifeguard and one person who had been knocked unconscious by a wave and the lifeguard goes out to the person to rescue them and then they, they see that um, the waves are going to slam them into the pier and um, the lifeguard then asks the class like, like, how do we want to hit this this pole, this giant wooden thing? And they all got it wrong and because they went the opposite way. The lifeguard says, no, like, we want to safeguard ourselves. Like, this person mm-hmm. is already unconscious. If we get knocked unconscious, then we're both going to drown and die. So it was, Precisely. yeah, like, take care of yourself or you will be worthless to anybody else no matter how much you want to help them. That's right. So you have to take care of yourself because you've got the dogs to take care of. Yeah. And they have to they have to eat their nutritious food and not just treats off the floor so that they can take care of you. What's the child in the background? Uh, that's Chester. Who's- Chester knows that all the single ladies are outside and he's a handsome dude and he's not allowed to go out is, anymore. <laughs> is that a cat? What, what, is, what is Chester? Yes. Yeah, that's Chester. Yes, he's he's a he's a foundling, um, and he misses being outside. But he was clearly, um, we think he was lost. Although nobody tried to claim him on any of our efforts to um, to find his home and his family, uh, we don't know if they had just moved into the neighborhood um, and he didn't know how to find his way home or what. But yes, Chester. Chester's very sweet when you snuggle with him, but if you're not snuggling with him, he is looking for a way out. He's very vocal. And make sure that everybody in the neighborhood knows it. He's he's very vocal, and I kind of thought yes, that he, is. You, he likes to sing. I kind of thought that you had an infant there with you. <laughs> no, no, that's Chester. All right, we've noted that. All right, <clears throat> n- next up on my list, also in uh, the Mary Billu edition of yesterday's edition of the Blade. <laughs> um, 
you you do a wonderful job of being timely and in the moment, and you track down um, a story of Ukrainian recipe. And I didn't read the article, but I saw the picture, and I just figured I'd ask you about it today. So what was that all about? Um, well, I knew that 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 Easter was is a huge celebration in in Ukraine, and and so I was I had been seeking somebody Ukrainian, somebody with the heritage to to speak to, and my friend Elizabeth, who's very very involved with the Hungarian club and with um, a lot of of immigrant groups around here, um, had put me in touch with Anastasia, who's down in Bowling Green. And so she is Ukrainian, and she came here to go to school, and her family, almost her entire family and all of her in-laws, were back in Ukraine. And she's from, um, Mika, I can't remember the name of the town, uh, Mikolaev. And um, we keep hearing about Mariupol, so I keep, I keep conflating the two and getting confused. Um, and at the time that I spoke with her, um, her father was safe. Her mother was not. Um, her in-laws were still trying to get out. In fact, her mother was scheduled to be on a bus to be evacuated three days from the day that we talked. But those are three very long days when when there are it, when the fighting is intensifying. Um, but her mother her mother was able to get out, and her mother is safe. So we're all really grateful for, for that. And um, and so Anastasia was telling me about you know, memories of of Easter in Ukraine and the traditions and the foods. And although her family is not religious, um, you know, this is there are many people here who aren't religious about Easter who will still, you know, get the pretty dresses. They may go to Mass for, for Easter Sunday. Um, they'll have the family over for, for ham and, and, and Easter egg hunts and all of that. Um, so... It, it was wonderful to have that chance to talk to her because she, you know, she had ten thousand other things to do, trying to trying to keep track of her family, trying to keep track of her friends, trying to to, to help with um, with collections uh, and donations and things that were being sent over to help the refugees. And um, but she took the time to talk to me. I'm really grateful for that. And it was wonderful, even as she told me that 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 she's she's near having a nervous breakdown. She's so upset, so worried. I, I, you know, you could hear the smile in her voice as we talked on the phone. You could hear her laugh as she was remembering that those beautiful Pasca breads, the ones that look sort of like mushrooms because you make them in coffee cans, um, that her job when she was little was to put the sprinkles on and the sprinkles would be like everywhere, on the ceiling, on the floor, you name it. If there was a surface, they had sprinkles because she was so enthusiastic. And it was wonderful to, to hear that, that she had this these few moments of respite to remember and to laugh and to smile and think of her loved ones. So... So, so that, that story was really special. So uh, not that I want to dismiss the story, but um, mm-hmm. I, I am a little bit for the sake of time. Um, g- yes. g- give me, give me Pasca and which it's in the story. The recipes there, Easter bread, but tell me about it. Pasca is, is a sweet bread and, and it's, it's, it's not difficult, but, but you do have to invest a certain amount of time in it because you make this, what they call a sponge with a little bit of flour and sugar and yeast. And it turns into this sort of almost pancake batter after you let it sit for a while. Then you add more flour and eggs and all the good stuff. It's a little hollow-like, okay. uh, very, very rich. Then you let it rise some more. Then you have to shape it. You put it in special molds or, or coffee cans because what it is is it grows tall. And then the top sort of mushrooms, 
mushrooms out. So they look like, like little A-bombs or mushrooms or something. And, um, and it's, it's just, it's a lovely sweet bread. Uh, it's often filled with raisins. Um, but towards the east, mostly they do the glaze. Towards the west, they tend to make it very elaborate. And, um, and you'll take leftover dough and you'll form little roses or flowers or crosses or birds or, or, or things like that to decorate the top of it and then glaze it like you would a challah so that it's a deep burnished brown. Excellent. Yeah, it looks like a, a mix of like a cupcake and a, a loaf of bread. Yeah. yeah. Imagine, imagine challah um, stuffed in a coffee can to bake instead of braided <laughs> and then you put lots of glaze and sprinkles. That's, that's the, the closest approximation I have. Um, let me slide over since you uh, yeah. brought up challah and Jewish and stuff. And I think Passover yeah. starts on Friday. Do you like? You should know that. You shouldn't just say I think. You, you should know that. <laughs> you would be, you'd be surprised, and you should know better how little I know about my own religion when these days hit. I only knew I only knew it starts on Friday because I have a very busy week, and I wanted to share my calendar with somebody. But yeah, Passover mm-hmm. is um is Friday. Um, Do you I, have plans for Seder? Uh, no. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I would invite you, but there's just chaos here at my house. Ta- and I, we're not really doing Seder. I appreciate the invite. Um, tell me what, tell me your things when it comes to food about Passover. And let's, let's think now that most people listening to us right now have no idea about Passover. What are the right. what are foods that you would maybe suggest somebody try? Not gefilte fish, not chopped liver. No, 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 no. Um, first, let me explain to those who don't know what it is. Passover is an eight-day holiday. It, 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 the, last, the Ten Commandments was just on. So the whole story of Moses, you know, uh, leading the, the Israelites out of, out of slavery in Egypt, that is commemorated. You're not allowed to have a very, 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 very long list of foods. Um, five different grains, leavened breads, and it depends on how how orthodox or how liberal you are in your practice, whether you're also allowed to have things like corn and lentils, we will, we will move on from there. It's awful. Um, it's awful. <laughs> it's awful. It's aw- like I could manage it as an adult, but it was literally like being in prison when I was a kid. Like I just couldn't. Oh my God. Craig feels the same way. Like, Oh my God, there were no bagels. There were no cookies. Like, <laughs> like the world had ended and like it was an eight day eclipse of the sun or you're literally taking away every kid's food group. Chicken nuggets, grilled cheese, pizza bagels, everything. Yep. Like it's all out. Yep. So everything. Everything's out. Um, um You're right. You mentioned so you said no gefilte fish. No um, nasty. I, will, I had not well, I have to clarify. Because if you look on the 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 shelves at the grocery store and you see the jars of gefilte fish that look like little little brains that you'd use in a science fair experiment. Uh, no, do not, do not, never, no. Um, however, I have been to Seder's. Uh, my friend Marcy in Ann Arbor, whom I, whom I love and I miss, we used to go to Seder at her house every year. And her husband, Jim, would make the homemade gefilte fish. And of course, sometimes it's sour, sometimes it's sweet, depending upon from where in Europe your, your relatives were. Jim's was a little bit sweet and it had the little telltale carrot slice on top. That was really lovely. And I've made, um, I don't know that I would necessarily call it gefilte fish because, like, I didn't have the carp in the bathtub and, you know, the whole rigmarole. But I have poached fish um, dumplings that I've made with matzo meal. And, and, you know, I made them with salmon. So, you know, you can't go wrong as long as you're making them with salmon. So you have to be careful about your gefilte fish. How's oh, that? Oh, yes. 
Yeah, homemade. Never eat it out of the jar. Oh, yes. The, the, I'm sorry, I'm out of seven spice. <laughs> as, <laughs> as much as I revile gefilte fish and, and chopped liver, even watching my dad like it, um, mm-hmm. like turn my stomach. I, I think everybody is down for like a good matzo ball soup. And to be quite honest, yeah. I, I, a couple times a year outside of Passover, I'll buy a, I'll buy a box of matzah and for like a, mm-hmm. a snack after dinner, I'll slap some peanut butter, which we will also get to before the end of this podcast. And it's, yeah. a, and it's a great treat. So there are some respectable foods that somebody might eat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so the thing is that people, whether they're whether it's Passover, whether whether they're going on a diet, whether they've been diagnosed with food allergies, people always look at the things you can't eat, and that's the wrong way to approach it. You have to look at the things you can eat. You can still eat the chicken. You can still eat the brisket. You can still eat all the fruits and vegetables. Um, yeah, you can't eat pasta unless you get the special expensive, you know, pesos pasta. Um, but there, there's still a world of foods that you can eat or you can, you can modify something. So like, you know, back when you talk about Baywatch in the nineties, you know, the flourless chocolate torp was all the rage. It was kind of soft in the middle and, and, and it was decadent and rich. That's, that's Passover food. You can eat that because it's made with ground nuts rather than, than with flour. Um, I love, I love the, the matzah crack where you take the, the toffee caramel sauce and the chocolate and, and you make that, you know, other people make it with saltines, but we make it with, with masa. That's a great food. That's, that's a great food group right unto itself. Ma- um, have, have you had? I, love, I have a soft spot for the little canned macaroons, the almond macaroons from Manischewitz. Okay. Let me make up for, for dissing the gefilte fish. I love the canned macaroons. They're like my guilty Pesach pleasure. Have You've had the Red Lobster butter rolls, right? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're as close to a hard drug as like I'll ever get. Um, <laughs> my my mom's mom, Grammy Bale, and I, I think my uncle has the recipe, but no one can replicate it. it. It died with her. She used to make these Passover rolls by, like nobody uses paper bags for, uh, for supermarkets anymore, but she would make these rolls yeah. by the paper bag because they were literally the only thing that I would eat. And I somehow managed to like gain weight during Passover with all the things I couldn't eat because these rolls right. were so addictive. Whatever kind of bizarre drug my Grammy put in the matzo meal to make these rolls, just like phenomenal. We could have yeah, all retired. Yeah, the matzo meal is really heavy. So she yes. was using potato starch oh, or whipped so egg good. whites or something to lighten them. She had a trick. She had a secret. Um, Give me something else. Because, again, I, we're going to jump all over the place. Give me something from the Seder plate that you like. Um, I, I like haroset, which is the fruit, that, the fruit spread that is meant to represent the mortar that was used to build the pyramids. However, I have to clarify. And everybody who's listening is probably thinking, man, she's just, she's just you know, pretending to be a rabbi here today. Uh, but I feel like everything needs an explanation. So the Ashkenazim from Europe, of course, the only fruit you would have had available would have been apples at that point. So they make the chopped apples with walnuts and wine. And all it is essentially, as far as I'm concerned, is chopped apples and walnuts and wine. It, it doesn't have any mortar-like properties. I'm, I'm, I'm not a fan. Even with the wine, even with the, the cinnamon, it, I feel like I'm just eating, you know, deconstructed applesauce. The Sephardim, though, the ones from, you know, the Middle East, um, and who branched out after the Spanish Inquisition, they tend to use dried fruit. 
And there are a lot of different variations, like from Iraq to, to Morocco to Yemen and all of that, and different light spice levels and whatnot. But I make one with dried dates and dried figs and a little orange juice and a little wine and some ground almonds. And I could eat that all day, every day, through the eight days of Passover and then some. Okay. I love that. Uh, the the boring, bland one that you described first, I actually I like that a lot because um, they're all foods. Okay. That, or they're all foods that I like. But I would try the one that that you would make with the orange juice. That sounds really unique. It, you know, I didn't grow up with the tradition of Passover, so I figure I can make my own rules. You can. And I just I, I love dates. I love figs. Um, and and that that just it's really more like a like a thick thick fig jam almost is, yes. is what it's like. So then when you make that Hillel sandwich with the with the horseradish to clean out your sinuses and and the harosid, the, the 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 hot, the spicy, the the sweet, the fruity, all combines really, really well. So I love that. Um, I'll have to make you some. Let's yeah, if you do make some extra, I will so, certainly grab some from you. Um, okay. don't expect me to keep Passover though. I, I made my own matzo over the weekend. I buy lots of matzo, but making matzo is a is an important tradition to me, even though I can't do it in the required eighteen minutes. I, I do it anyway. I, well, thank God you don't have to run from the pharaoh, unless you do. Exactly. There's, there's something I don't know. <laughs> I'll take some of the monster from you, too. Let me, uh, okay. let me go back to April 2nd. You wrote about one of my three to five favorite things in life, peanut butter. Um, it was National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day on April 2nd. Oh, God, yes. and th- so much fun. Th- this was your love letter to that <laughs> and, and to me because I, I love peanut butter. If I showed you my, my cupboard when it's fully stocked, you would think I just, I'm in an aisle at Kroger that sells peanut butter because it's always well, yes, in my house. you and I have had this discussion. We've talked about the different brands. I've made recommendations. Yes, peanut butter is your thing. It is. It is. Um, so give yeah, me- do you do peanut butter and jelly or just the peanut butter? Not jelly. Just just the peanut okay. just peanut like like I said peanut butter on matzah totally good for me. Yeah. Um I'll come downstairs if I can't sleep because my stomach's rumbling a little bit and get like mm-hmm. a teaspoon of peanut butter and shove it in my mouth. Like peanut butter is good for it's to yeah. me it's diverse. It's filling, it's tasty like it's I wish I could find a woman as fulfilling as peanut butter is for me. <laughs> That's a pretty high standard, just that. I, I don't know. know that any of us can live up to that. I would even take it if she's crunchier, if I have to stir her a little bit. <laughs> I, I'll leave that alone. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, well, wait. Give me the tweet-length version of what it was like to write that article for, for that uh, for that a couple weeks ago. Well, that was just so much fun. You know, I try to do different things on the food page. So, you know, there are requisite holidays like Easter. Um. And, and then, you know, sometimes there's a new cookbook that's come out. Uh, there's all these different topics. And sometimes I just want to have fun. And how could I resist National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day? I love peanut butter. I, I can't tell you how many years I spent bringing peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in my lunchbox. Except now I would rather have orange marmalade than, like, the grape jelly. Mm-hmm. But, but... How, how could I not? But I didn't want to just say, here's how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Here are the, the different jelly options you have. So we played with it. You know, we we had a, a snack board and oh God, what else did we have in there? A uh, snack mix and and like the, the Thai peanut sauce and the sweet chili sauce. Those are sort of variations on peanut butter and jelly. Dip stuff in them. 
Play uh, with your food. You yes, you can get very adventurous if you want to with peanut butter and jelly, like you've already like you said. And then we we could run down, and we would literally need a whole other episode to talk about our love for the various kinds of peanut butter. But go back and listen to that yeah. in the archives. You're not going to just trust us. Okay. Yes. Um, did I? Did I want to? Did I, uh, okay. Now, super serious. So, stuff. what is your favorite Wait. peanut butter right now, though? Because I know that you change that that one you told me uh, with the red label. Yes. Don't like it. Kozu. Yeah. He says no. Um, you know, the the time crunch, no stir, crunchy is yeah. the best value. Like it's a big jar and it's like three something. Um, like that is a good deal from top to bottom, head to toe. Like it, it's the best one out there. Now there, there are other, like when you do the smuckers, like that's the classic that you got to stir, yeah. but it's so worthwhile the texture of it. And you see the little like peanut grains in there. Um, mm-hmm. now we're getting into the minutia of it. Never mind. Never mind. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, I, it's, you wrote a really serious piece. I think this was also in the Mary Bill You edition yesterday. You talked about your hand issue, which seems to still be lingering. Oh, well, we started this new health and well-being section with ProMedica. And so, of course, everybody's taking a turn to write for it. And so I had my turn. And so they said, um, give us a few topics that you'd like to write about. And I went, um... <laughs> I sighed and I thought about it a little bit and I thought, well, you know what, John Elway is on TV talking about how people whose hands look like they've been, you know, through food grinders can can get this shot and everything is magically cured and I'm like, yeah, I'm living proof to tell you that that ain't true. So so I we debated whether or not I should write it first person. Um, here's been my experience, but I thought really it's just better to take myself out of it and just give an overview of what this condition is. So, so that's what I did. I talked to the doctor, Dr. Huff-Tailing, who's wonderful, who did my hand surgery last year. Um, and I go to see him in two weeks, and I'm already practicing writing with my left hand because I figure he's going to have to do something to my hand because I'm not having – people think that I'm having complications from last year because I had a lot of problems with swelling. If you watch all my old Cheap Eats episodes, you can see everyone has a different color compression tape on my finger because I figure if you got to wear it, you might as well make it a fashion accessory. Um, but I've got, instead of the lumps that I had on the back of my knuckles, now I've got four lumps and possibly a fifth one starting in the palm of my hand. And so those are, are tough pieces of, of tissue that harden and then they pull on the tendon. So I've got one finger pulling down and another mm. one that looks like it's pulling down. And it's just, it's a recurrence condition. And apparently I'm going to have another recurrence. So what, throw the, the name out of the, uh, of the ailment. What, one more time. It's, it's called Dupat. Where'd you go? Mary. Mary. Hello? Hi, welcome back. Sorry, I dropped, I dropped you and I, <laughs> And lost my, my earphones. Um, it's called Dupatrin. Okay. And Dupatrin's contracture. How common is it? Um, actually, it's fairly common. Up to um, as many as 10% of Caucasians might be diagnosed with it. It's very, very rare among Asians or, or people of African heritage. Mm-hmm. 
And but the the thing is, what was hard about writing this story is that there are three primary treatments, but there are also uh, three different ways that it manifests. So I had to try to get all of all of that in to 30 inches of copy. So you could have these small nodules on your palm or on the undersides of your knuckles. Or you could have a lump that I had last year that I had thought was like just I'm getting old and I'm getting arthritis, a lump on the top of your knuckle. Or as the tissue is pulling down um, with those nodules, you could also get these little, these little what they're called are pits. And they, you know, on the Buckeyes, so the people who don't fill in the little toothpick hole, they look a little bit like that in your hand. Is there anything that causes them or is it just an age thing? Is it hereditary? Uh, all of the above. Okay. Um, it's, it's thought to have a genetic component, although some people just have a manifestation even though there's no family history. Um, they think that it has to do with um, microcirculation. And so um, someone like John Elway, who was catching the football, a baseball catcher who's having that, that, that ball hit him at great force, um, you know, in his palm consistently. People who use their hands a lot. Uh, people who who smoke and drink. There's there's some some new evidence that those may be um, risk factors as well because of course they affect you know blood flow. Okay. Well, uh, when I read through and it, and also it's it, and the the last one you had mentioned was age. You can start getting diagnosed in your 30s, but usually it's in your 50s or 60s. So I'm I'm right here in prime territory. And uh, you were not catching football thrown by John Elway, who he probably caused that condition in many dudes' hands because it's they'll say they say he has like the, the strongest arm in NFL history, if not uh, what definitely at least one of them. So it's it's I, you would I, think that they would there would now that he's doing this that a lot of football players and a lot of baseball players would be coming out saying. They have it. If they have, I've not heard it. So yeah, and I would maybe with just football players, it's mm-hmm. just their their fingers have just been bent in bizarre ways. So maybe it isn't that. Is he specifically offering or pushing a um, a remedy for specifically what you have, or just people with some kind of arthritis in their hands? No, it's specifically for this. So there's three different treatments. Um, and it depends on how it manifests. But the most okay. common is these nodules in the hand. So I'll just go cut to the chase. Okay. And I'm going to apologize right now. It's gross. Um, the, first, the first prospect is whoa, one that whoa, you can do whoa, in the office. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> not, not, you're going to save the grossness. Um, okay. I, I wanted to thank you for, for being, not that I would expect anything else, but I want to thank you for being so forthcoming and, and writing that. Oh, you know, I, I, I think it's important when I had posted last year that I had it, a lot of people chimed in and said, oh, yeah, my husband had this, like like one of my readers. Um, Andrea is the one who referred me to Dennis, who had given me his story for my story. So so it, it's more common than I think people realize. Yeah, and it's one Or maybe the- it's just because the boomers are all hitting the, the target age group. It could be. Um <laughs> Uh, I have one last question for you. And then if you want to fire some stuff at me, that's totally, Oh no, I have two more. I'm sorry. Uh, what was the, you miscounted. what was, yeah, there was a lot, there was a lot. Um, what was the, <laughs> the award you posted about over the weekend? Uh, some, a women's writers guild. I, I, I'm, I'm so, I'm so honored to, to have been acknowledged. The um, the national federation of press women has an annual contest and they have a lot of different categories. 
And so I had submitted some food stories, some columns, and, and some feature stories. And all, all of those placed, I'm really honored to say, I got an honorable mention, two second places. And this was in the regional at-large um, competition. And then I got one first place story, and that will then move on to the national competition. And so I may actually get a, a national recognition. And that's for a story that, that, that really means a lot to me. And that was a story about Julia Child and her, her you know, masterwork, mastering the art of French cooking. Excellent. Well, congratulations. Well-deserved. Thank you. I fought hard for that story. We had, we had a lot of delays, a lot of complications, a lot of back and forth over the whether we'd be allowed to use recipes. We ended up not using recipes. I'll, I'll say that for another time. Um, I, I fought really hard for that story, and I was really glad that it got some recognition. So awesome. I'm very pleased. I'm very happy for you and all the hard work that you put in. Um, Thank and it, you. It's got to be... I'm to to drill into like what you do. I wonder if your readership has gone up in any ways because I I come across a lot of people now like they don't want to follow the news because they say it's all bad and I can understand that. But yeah. I, as I tell some friends, like it it's not all bad and some of these things you you really need to know so you can be a part of if you so choose. And there's good stuff mm-hmm. as well, like the Mary Bill you section all day Sunday. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. I got a story coming up on Wednesday, too, all about an Easter lamb cake, which is a an old, old Polish tradition. Well, And the cake is just adorable, so you have to look for it online. I will. My That's a great place to go into my last and final question. Okay. What do you want to say about what some people would call the horror that is Peeps? <laughs> uh, I am not a fan of Peeps. I don't like them fresh. I've had a lot of people say, oh, no, you got to leave them out to let them get stale. They're worse stale because um, then they're just little hard, chewy, crunchy things instead of soft, gooey, sprinkly things. Um, but I love that, like, the Washington Post and other papers or other entities um, have annual Peeps Diorama Contest. And we tried to do that one year. Um, and it kind of didn't really take off as an annual thing, which I find very disappointing because you take peeps and you like put them into the cast of Hamilton or, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> or opening day at the mud hens or whatever. And, and that's what the, that's what peeps were meant for. Yeah. The, people are familiar with the term, like, um, like empty calories. There is no yeah. emptier calorie than eating a peep. And by, I have no disdain towards peeps. Mm-hmm. I don't. I wouldn't eat them. Uh, actually, I'll give you one Easter food that I or one Easter thing I do like. But I yeah. have no outrage towards peeps because I simply choose not to eat them. But I, yeah. I have yet to find anybody that you kind of alluded to. Someone who like goes out of their way, like, oh, oh shit, it's it's Easter, it's peep season. Let's get it. Let's get all the different colors. Can't wait till the day after Easter. They're all fifty percent. I've never come across that person. I think there's a. It's, I think it's like candy corn. Peeps <laughs> are the are the are the Easter version of candy corn. They are. People love them or hate them. I'm I'm in the middle. Um, can you guess the one? What is the one Easter food you like? I'll give you. It's an Easter candy, and it's so. Okay. It, I think it's so overlooked because I'm sure Reese's and peanut butter cups have somehow pervaded into Easter candy. But mm-hmm. um, this was the the biological conundrum that I couldn't figure out as a kid, um, and I think they're overlooked and delicious. Can you guess what Easter candy it is? 
I'm thinking the cream eggs, the Cadbury cream eggs. Yeah, they're delicious. <laughs> and I, I never got it as a kid. Like, I don't, wait, are you telling me the yeah, I don't think they're, I don't think they're kosher for Pesach. <laughs> well, it wasn't that. I, I was like, Mom, I thought rabbits didn't make eggs. And, you know, I figured it out. When You're I not got, supposed to think that hard. Well, I did because I overthought things when I was I overthought things when I was seven too. So, um, but yeah, those things are delicious. Now, see, I personally find them too sweet. They the are. filling is too sweet. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. For the same reason, people would dislike candy corn. I could see. Mm-hmm. I could see you disliking uh, Cadbury eggs because it is the sweetness is potent. Oh, that cat! Yeah. That cat, man. <laughs> I know, poor Chester. <laughs> um, give me. One and a half things on your list you want to run by me. Opening day. You went to opening day. I did. Tell me all about it. It was nice. Uh, like, you you would think that that is, like, the antithesis of what I want to do, but I'm fortunate enough to know so many people now that uh, I, I can bounce a bunch of different places and see people that I know, and, it's, and, mm-hmm. and no one expects you to have a deep, long conversation, so I can go, hey, I'll be right back, and then not have the need to go back because I already said my, my greetings. Yeah, you kind of, you say hi, then you move on to the next person, you say hi, you give a hug, you have a drink, you just meander and and enjoy Toledo on what actually turned out to be a beautiful spring day. Absolutely. A complete violation of tradition. Yes, yeah, uh, 100%, like I was planning for the usual, like maybe the, it won't be freezing, but it's going to be drizzly, and it was, you know, all things considered a heck of a day for weather for opening day. It was beautiful. Every single day I've been here, it has been cold and rainy on opening day. Did you go? I didn't. You know, um, I used to, there There always used to be uh, parties that I would be invited to, and inevitably work got in my way, and it was cold and rainy, so I wasn't going to go wander around. And this year, I had been, what been, I had been downtown for something. I think I'd been at work. And then I had I had um, something I had to get to, but I kind of meandered through the streets as I was driving off, so that I could just sort of feel like I had experienced a little bit of it. So I'm always envious. And opening day just seems to be, you know, my nemesis. I never get to just go down and go to the game and do all the smoothing and whatnot. We're a lot alike, um, and unless you wanted to do it to schmooze, I mean, it, it, the weather isn't an appeal. So. I, I might be overstating it, but you're not missing that much. So mm-hmm. that's I it. think it's just a matter of just like being a part of something that's it's really special in Toledo. I can't say it's unique to Toledo because everybody has their own opening day, but but it's just special, you know. Toledo Mary, has has rainy, dreary, snowy, cold winters, and there's just something. Even if the weather is still crappy, baseball means. And it means people coming downtown and Toledo comes alive. Mary Bill, you, there are at least a half dozen yes. other events. If I open up the parameters, there are at least a dozen or more other events where stupid drunkenness pervades the day in Toledo. <laughs> so don't worry. There are other days to, to get your drunk on if you want. Not usually my style. <laughs> um, I did have one last thing now that we talk opening day because you were there. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I have not been, but I... I the restaurant tour only makes good spots. So, yes. did, did Coops live up to what you expected? Um, it's funny because they they did. I mean, everybody loves Nettie's chili dogs. Who doesn't love a milkshake? Uh, who doesn't love chili cheese fries? And the fries have a little, very thin um, batter coating, so they hold up to the chili and the cheese instead of getting all you know goopy and soggy. Mm-hmm. The one thing is that 
They didn't get their liquor license because they are going to do, do boozy milkshakes. Oh. They did not get their liquor license till opening day, and they were we were there the Friday beforehand. The shake was still really good, but I had hard my I had my heart set on on my boozy milkshake, so I had to go back and get one. That's uh, all there is to I, it. I, so, okay. but I was thrilled that it was it it, it it was our number one video on the Blade for for this past week. I'm it's sure been to- a huge hit, and I hope that the restaurant has been a huge hit. I mean, it was packed when we went in there; like they didn't even need us to show them off. They already had every seat filled. Yeah, well, when you pair Nettie's with uh, Ed Baczynski, you're you're going to hit a, no pun intended, home run. Exactly. Um, Precisely. I didn't know that for the soft opening and before opening day, they didn't have the boozy milkshakes. And yeah. you said liquor license, but I, I was thinking that might not even have mattered. It seems like they were just putting other like kinds of alcohol in there, like maybe maybe beer or something. But uh, oh, well, They have a partnership with um, Ernest Brew Works, which is right across the street. So there's a special Ernest Brewworks shake, and they're hoping to, you know, use different seasonal varieties for that. But they also plan to have, you know, a whole variety of different things that you can choose from to to pour into the shake. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so you can tailor. So you and I, we should go down there sometime. I I would I would do that. I'll bring you some Hiroshit and some matzah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to wrap up with like, if you have extra, I'll take your matzah and Hiroshit. <laughs> and I, you know what? If you're like. If you get a wild hair to do it in June, I'll take it in June. Good food is good food. I don't have to eat for a specific yeah. holiday. That's good. And to to That's come good. to come full circle, um, why can't I eat Passover foods in June? Well, I don't know. Go ahead, have at it. Hey, if you if you go look at the manager special aisle at Kroger, you'll still see matzah in June. So buy all. Maybe and you can get matzah and 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 things year round. Um, you know, it's just. You're supposed to eat it at Passover. It doesn't mean you can't eat it through the rest of the year. But I also find, too, like a lot of times that I'll say, oh, I should make this more often. And then inevitably I only make it once a year. And there's something sort of special about having it just once a year as well. So I can I can see both sides of it. Okay. Um, well, it's always good to chat. Good to catch up with you. Yeah, so we didn't get you the list, so we'll have to do it again sometime soon, huh? Uh, we can, we can. I mean, I, I share all my stuff out there. You want to ask me something else? Um, well, just the, I'll mention the other things I had on my list. Um, we talked about Pesach Easter. We're going to talk about Ramadan and, and our new Supreme Court justice. I'm so thrilled. So thrilled. Um, I'm kind of like indifferent. Like it's really just because like we should be doing that stuff. Although I told well, we should. the problem is, is that we don't. We, don't, we don't, we don't. Although I do get the pushback, uh, when she, right before she first got, um, pushed forward for the nomination, mm-hmm. I do get the criticism of Biden, of people throwing in Biden's face uh, when he said he would pick a black woman for the Supreme court. I can see how that can put you in a bad spot unintentionally. Mm-hmm. Like, what if there was an, an Asian-American or a Chinese-American or someone else who wasn't just... Well, see, oh. we need, to, we, we need to, to move on and include those people as well. Yeah. Um, it's shameful that, that it's taken this long. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited, and I guess I was also passively happy... That it wasn't dramatic. I know they asked her all kinds of nonsensical questions, nonsensical questions in the first, but they didn't turn into a big story. Now, granted, you know, inflation is crazy, gas prices are crazy. We're on the cusp of World War III, and it's affecting everything right. across the planet. But still, when we have some pretty bombastic things that happen and can steal the news cycle, and this didn't, so we just you know pushed her through, deservedly so, and we're we're on with yeah. it. Yeah, 
Yes. Yes. Um, well, as always, thank you. <laughs> well, thank you for inviting me. It's always fun to catch up. I hope you find something to do with Chester. Are you going to keep him? Um, we'll have to see. <laughs> okay. Um, well, if you need a place, go take them over to Steve at the Toledo Animal Rescue. Okay. Okay. Are they accepting animals? Because every time we've tried to call people, every single every single shelter is full and not accepting anybody. That I can't answer. Um, okay. But can't hurt to call, and worst they can say is, say is no. And uh, right. Poor Chester just calling out the window, watching the ladies walk by. Oh. Hey, he's watching all the pretty ladies go by, and he just can't have Adam. Are you, are you sure he was someone's cat, not an outdoor cat? He was in fairly good shape. Um, you know, he didn't have the the scruffy, dirty, you know, infected eyes, any of that stuff. But he didn't like he did really well sunning himself a few yeah. weeks ago when we had a gorgeous weekend. He's sunning himself on the deck. He's hanging out with everybody. He's having a good time. And then when it was cold and rainy, he, like, did not know what to do. And that's why we brought him in, because he just did not seem to have any street smarts. Like, he had no idea what he was supposed to do. So we don't know if he snuck out. We don't know if, you know, there are still so many evictions, if if somebody just left him behind, if he got lost. We just don't know. But nobody responded to any of our, any of our posts anywhere. So we're watching out for him, because he needs to be safe inside. If anybody wants a Chester cat and likes to stare at hot ladies walking by Mary's house, <laughs> you know where to find us. That's right. Awesome. All right. Well, I will, I will, uh, I'll be in touch with you soon. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you so much as always. Bye. Bye-bye.